name is Allison McMahon and I am the CEO of Cannabis at Work, Canada's leading source for cannabis industry jobs. I'm lucky to get to meet so many cool people in the industry and I'm constantly blown away by their stories and I'm excited to share them with you. Before we jump in, I want to remind you that if you're interested in a career in cannabis, you can register with us by submitting your resume at CannabisAtWork.com. Also, don't forget to get tickets to the industry's biggest career event, the Cannabis Career Festival, happening on September 27th in Toronto, Ontario. Tickets and information can be found at CannabisCareerFestival.com and you can use the promo code PODCAST for 15% off tickets. Our guest today is Nicole Hodges. Nicole's career started in journalism and she now uses her strengths in storytelling to talk about cannabis, women, and sex. Let's hear Nicole's story. Hey, Nicole. Hey. How's it going? It is going wonderfully. How are you? I'm good. Uh, Nicole, I feel like you are kind of like a new friend, relatively speaking, but mm. um, I feel like we, we met in November through Jeff Ord, who's a mutual connection, a friend of yours, mm. and he's joined our team recently. Mm-hmm just like a salt of the earth human. Yes. Yes. A wonderful human indeed. You know what? It's funny because I think that I actually, when I think back to when I, when I met you, I think it was in passing in Montreal. Oh, really? Um, oh, we at, did meet then. Yeah. Something right. like that. Oh, like, we talked yeah, about I that. a company called Girls Who Say Fuck, and you're like, I say fuck. Like, okay, <laughs> we're going to be friends one day. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you for reminding me. So we were at, like, Startup Fest, and yes. Startup Fest in Montreal in July, I think that was. Is that mm-hmm. right? Or May? Gosh, it's yeah. been a busy year. Um, they had, like, a cannabis track this year, so there was a bunch of cannabis people there, and there was, like, a wonderful uh, hosted dinner that there was a bunch of us at as well. Yes, exactly. Okay, cool. My apologies. And we just drank and smoked and were merry into the right late into the night, which is the best part about this industry. Which I mean, everyone knows that the real conferences happen outside of the conference. Right. <laughs> so you have a couple of different roles. Then um, you're culture editor with Herb, and then yeah. you also are the founder of Girl to Say Fuck. Um, let's start there. That sounds like an interesting place to start. Tell us about what that is. Sure. Um, so I think my position with Herb is pretty straightforward, like you said, culture editor. So I get to help kind of guide the voice of the publication from the editorial side of things. Um, for me, journalism has always been an interesting way for me to um, just meet people, have good conversations, um, learn things, and then also be able to pepper that with facts and present it to the world in maybe a way that they haven't seen or experienced that person or that thing before. So mm-hmm. I find it's really cool that I'm able to do that here with her. I'm given a lot of freedom to um, flex my creative muscle however I want. Um, Girls Who Say Fuck for me is, whew, it, it, it is an extension of, of me in a sense. Um, born out of my desire to kind of wake up and break free from the monotony that I was, that I was part of before. Um, and we can get into that as well, but just for brevity in terms of the actual title, um, it's, it's it a battle cry. It's a lifestyle that I'm leading by example. Um, I tried for so long to 
compartmentalize it and create it into one thing and realizing that by making it one thing, it was stopping it from being all of the other things that it was. So I'm allowing it to be whatever it needs to be. But essentially for me, um, I believe that my purpose is to help elevate collective consciousness by uniting men and women. And part of doing that requires um, me to lean into my creativity and lead a life where I question everything we've ever been told about the way things are supposed to be. And I take those experiences and I write about them and then I translate them into offline experiences as well that um, that form community and that spark good conversation. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So that's kind of, yeah, that's, that's kind of where it is for me now. And, and that changes and it grows. But I think that I've, I've, I've relinquished this need to control um, through this endeavor and it allows me to just kind of experience Experience and experiment with whatever it is that I want and you know for the most part I, I tend to focus on weed sex and women so for me um, the weed part of it is, is is actually so much larger it's this tectonic shift that we're witnessing and it's permeating all aspects of our lives and and most industries and so I, I love to be tapped into that and then the sex part of it is not just talking about sexuality but it's talking about this you know, oneness with self and this this kind of higher power and um, this communion of of of, of people. Um, I'm writing a book right now about the power of female orgasms, and so that's kind of something that would fall under that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the women side of things is talking more so not just about women or you know, quote women's issues, but talking about a again a shift into a more matriarchal mindset and what that actually means for the way that we do business and the way that we interact in relationships and the way that we move through the world. And so, um, yeah, we sex and women, but for me, the, the roots spread long, far and deep in all those topics. Yeah. And I think like uh, to your point, you know, this, extreme culture shift that, that we've seen about weed that, you know, now affect like it's actually embedded in government policy and legislation here in Canada. I think it's really an interesting time where we're starting to see some of these other conversations like shift at the same time, like, you know, the, the landscape and conversation about psychedelics and their medical benefits and, um, you know, mind like altering benefits, but in, in a, a way that's more connected to consciousness and um, kind of enlightenment, I think is a growing conversation. I think even the conversation about like women and their sexuality and really challenging some of the, I guess, stereotypes that we've held about that is a conversation I'm, I'm seeing and hearing more of. So it's interesting that I think um, cannabis is kind of part of the momentum, um, but there's this like, you know, this uprising of conversation about a number of these topics at the same time that have been under prohibition, essentially, um, yeah. for a really long but, time. But, and by that being under prohibition, it feels like it's almost kind of kept us muzzled on some mm-hmm. of these other things that we've been talking about, like even what you said, psychedelics and kind of expanding your mind and then also just sexuality. And, you know, I had um, a conversation with April Pride from Vanderpop mm-hmm. um, the other day. We were kind of talking about this panel that she had just done on women and sexuality. And I was asking her, like, why are women specifically drawn to this? Like, 
it's coming up a lot. Like, what is it about the intersection between cannabis and sexuality and integrating cannabis into the bedroom that we are just so interested in? And, and you know, everyone has their own answer to that. But I think the, the resounding answer from herself and a few other women that I've spoken to is, like, that we're finally able to talk about it. Right. That it finally feels like we're all kind of ready and willing to explore this because we've exhausted other options and we can't relax all the time. And so you want to be present and you want to be with your partner and you want to be, you know, in in your body. And sometimes that's, it's really difficult. So for, you know, a lot of women, the women that I spoke to in particular, um, cannabis kind of helps bring them into themselves. Right. And, I just think that's something that we can all really benefit from because <laughs> like a woman that's had an orgasm is just an overall <laughs> pleasant human being. <laughs> and so for humanity's sake, right. come on. So like the weed sex and women, will we see that in your work with herb or we, I mean, you obviously have a lot of different channels in which you're, you know, working professionally, but also kind of your own side hustle. So do, will we see those trends in, in the work you're doing with herb as well? Oh, absolutely. Like I think, um, you know, wherever I go, my, my ways of being and the things that I'm passionate about come with me. Like those, those aren't compromised. And so, mm-hmm. um, I was kind of talking to Rachel Colick about this as well mm-hmm. from Boss the Cannabis Cannabis TV. I had her in too for an interview. And um, I was kind of outlining that I believe that there's two types of activists in a sense. There's the activists that um, stand outside and hold the signs and, and, they, and they're, they're yelling their message. And that's so, that's so fundamentally important um, because that's, it's, it's jarring, but in the best way possible where it gets people to pay attention um, and then there's the activists that infiltrate the systems and they cause change from within mm-hmm. by whispering. And I was told when I was really young to use my talent to get to the other side of any of the doors that I wanted to. And that's what I feel like I'm doing with anything I do, whether it's Girl to Say Fuck or Herb or whoever else I choose to work with. I feel like I've been given these talents and I need to use them to infiltrate systems and cause change from within. So um, for me, like I really did believe that Herb needed uh, a stronger female presence and these things weren't being talked about through the publication. And so part of what I've been doing is making sure that we have more interviews with women and more women's topics and the things that I'm talking about. Um, do have a little bit of that female edge to them. Um, yeah. And that's that's uncompromisable for me. Like, I will not ever stop with that mission. And so for people that might be hearing about her for the first time, like, tell us about that platform. Like, my understanding is it's, you know, it's a, kind of a digital media platform, um, lots of content, uh, information about strains, but maybe in your words, what is it? Yeah, I, I mean, I would I would say that you're, that you're right. Um we're kind of a a media company as well in a sense, right? Like we will work with different um, licensed producers and we'll create campaigns. Um, We, from just from the editorial side, you know, we put a lot of how to guides together. We do a lot of um, our learn section is pretty robust. So we will create a lot of content that 
goes from just like basic, like answering basic questions, like is CBD safe, for instance, right. or what is CBD or what's the difference between CBD and THC and whatever. And so we want to be a, a resource and a database um, that helps shape cannabis culture and the understanding of those that are either on the inside or on the outside looking in and interested in learning more. And so um, that's kind of what we do in terms of editorial. And then we have an app that's going to be launching soon. Um, we recently just put out um, the ability to sign up to be on the wait list. So um, that for us is kind of an opportunity for people to share their favorite strains and do reviews and share their experiences and almost kind of create a profile of sorts for who they are and what they like to consume and how that affects their life and so on and so forth. Yeah. And so is this role with herb like technically your first cannabis job, quote unquote? Um, I mean, I would say that my first cannabis job would be like was girls who say fuck like I couldn't find what I wanted so I decided to create it myself Mm -hmm. um and that allowed me to start meeting people and um doing more research about cannabis uh Mm -hmm. and so I think it kind of started there um but Herb I would say is yeah definitely like coming into a place that was already established this would be I guess my first like quote-unquote cannabis job right um for me as a journalist it there was there's nowhere else I would have ever wanted to be you know I I had spent all of this time um I was a I worked at a television station before I was a community reporter and a I did like backup traffic anchor I was a producer so I would help write script for morning shows and whatever and I just always felt alone and mm-hmm. I couldn't I couldn't figure out why. And it's because all of my people are underground. They're misfits and disruptors and entrepreneurs and people that wanted to see things done differently. And I was so on the mainstream that there's no way I ever would have interacted with them or reached them. And I, I had to burn my entire life to the ground and leave everything behind to go out on this journey to find myself. And I found myself in the cannabis industry um and I'll never forget you know on 1017 when I was at Trinity Bellwoods and there's all these big industry parties happening all over the city and I like I get that but watching culture unfold the way that it did in the park that day changed everything for me and I I was standing there and that feeling it was so juxtaposed from the feeling of loneliness I'd felt to the feeling of belonging that I felt in that moment right and 1017 being October 17th uh, yeah. which was legalization day yep yeah and so what what was like what was going on that that made you feel like you kind of found your tribe in that all these people that have been told for so long that what they were doing was wrong that were finally you know vindicated or justified in the eyes of the government yeah um that they were all together like you you can just see it you know it's it's I I referred to it before as a misfit uprising like it's it's the weirdos congregating it's it's them coming together and being in the right and um I just feel like there's so many untold stories here and there's so much like I like I said before it's it's permeated so many areas of our life and it's going to change everything it has already but 
when we look back on the timeline of humanity, like I feel like we're going to zoom into this small time right here and be like, hey, that's the moment where everything changed. Like I think maybe right. it was one of those moments. And mm-hmm. I think cannabis legalization, um, you know, in Canada and then the widespread legalization you know, happening across the rest of the globe, like this is a time where we're going to look back and be like, hey, something really, really important happened here. And as a storyteller by nature and a journalist by trade, it's why would I want to do or be part of anything else but the world as we know it changing indefinitely and forevermore. Yeah. And you talk about storytelling. I mean, you have a really um, a really interesting and engaging approach to Instagram specifically, which is just, and you might be on other channels. I'm just more of an Instagram user myself. Um, and I mean, you're you're very open about this kind of awakening process that you've been going through and, and, you know, talking about burning your life to the ground. And I understand, I think you went to your first burning man um, last year and I'd love to hear more about that, but um, I guess what sparked that for you? And I, I think a lot of us are going through this like cannabis industry or otherwise. Um, so what sparked it for you? And I, I don't know, like any words of wisdom along the way, because <laughs> it can be scary. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh, it can be, but I like the word, like it can be scary. I, one of the wisest things someone said to me, um, was use fear as a compass. And the thing that I've learned through this process is we're, we're conditioned and we're told for so long that when we're in the darkness and we're wandering, we need to get out as quick as possible. You know, Find your way out and look for the light and run towards that. But the light is often the thing that's familiar to us already. Right. Um, if you, you know, if you go into the dark searching for light, you'll come to know the light. But if you go into the dark and complete darkness, you'll come to know the things that thrive and blossom in those places. Mm-hmm. And I learned to just become comfortable with the unknown. Mm-hmm. And when you when you're in the dark and you're wandering, one, that's an absolute blessing because it means that whatever in your life you're going through, it's not working and you know that. And so you feel that sense of wandering through the fog in the forest of your own mind and it's like be there and and be with that because when you don't know what you're looking for you can find things that you would have never seen before and you would have never noticed right and so that's kind of the wisdom that I've you know that I've I've come to know um I was sitting down with a an indigenous tribe leader of the Métis Nation um uh, a, a month ago and I was sharing this with him that I was feeling lost and I said, man, I'm so scared because I feel like the universe has stopped speaking to me. I can't feel that pull that tells me what's next or where to go. And he kind of laughed and he's like, the universe never stops speaking to us. But if we stop listening to ourselves, if we allow doubt to cloud our mind and stop us from hearing or feeling, the universe will send wolves. He referred to them as wolves, these wise people that will come into your life and bring you a gift. The universe will speak to your others. So notice, like notice things that you wouldn't have noticed before and listen to people that maybe you wouldn't have listened to before. And I feel like we only do that when we're lost because when we're not lost, when we're in the clearing and we're in the light, we're focused. And that's a great place to be too. And I think you need both, but we, we know where we're going. So we walk in that direction. But when you're in the dark and you're wandering, you run into things you never would have before. Yeah, I totally agree. I think we're so socialized 
to think that life should just be easy and comfortable and like you, you know, work a little bit for a living and that should just like reward you with all of these like material goods and like, and comforts, but that's not life. And no, I think we're not really, fun either. no, it's not <laughs> and I think, like, like we're, we're not really taught to like sit with our own anxiety or our own fear and mm. take a moment to really like understand why that's there for us and yeah. how to then like move forward in a different direction. Um, we're just told to like, like you said, like move towards the light, move towards the thing that's familiar or, or just put up a wall and like not even do the like introspection. <laughs> like, um, yeah. And try to avoid a dark forest altogether, which is just right. taking a long way around. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Um, you had asked about about just um, what kind of instigated it, and I'll just yeah. I'll keep that one simple. But um, I felt like I was asleep at the wheel of my own life. Like I, I it, it was kind of a like a confluence of factors and a, a sequence of events, obviously that led to the, this feeling. But um, I remember I had tweeted about something cannabis related I think I was I was voicing some support and um, my news director called me into the office and he slid the, the guidebook um, like the company policy book across the big mahogany desk and um, I was incredibly supported and set up for success in that place I had the world at my fingertips and yet my life started to look like one long hallway without any doors and I was like, man, I'm going to walk this plank to the bitter end and wake up one day and realize that I don't even know who I am. Mm -hmm. And I've been told for so long who to be that I don't even know who I am. And so um, I was in a beautiful seven-year relationship, um, and I had this blossoming career. (laughs) I was living in one of the most beautiful cities on the planet, and everything seemed like it should have been so perfect. And I was asleep. Mm-hmm. And so the only way to change it was to change everything all at once and to, you know, this, there's this term in existentialism. Um, the, the, well, leap of faith comes from existentialism, but there's also this term where life is a, is a tightrope. And when you need to change something, it's basically like trying to do a perfect backflip on this tightrope. And I feel like, you know, leaving my job was me kind of like starting to go airborne and ending my relationship was me trying to like start to go backwards and all of these things, leaving the city that I had grew up in and starting a company called Girls Who Say Fuck and then having to like explain that to my dad. And, (laughs) you know, and then, and then I went to Burning Man and I feel like Burning Man was me landing the backflip. And so for people who might not be super familiar with Burning Man, like maybe just like how, how do you, would you describe it or what's kind of the cool notes? Oh, <laughs> if that's possible. It's a, um, it's a festival. Well, yeah, but people get so irky about using the word festival. Okay. Like, and then they're like, it's a Less than one. giant <laughs> commune. And I've heard it described in so many ways. And, and, and um, I think I can only speak, from experience and trying, you know, in my own words, just to say what I need to say about it without trying yep. to avoid landmines of being right. politically correct. But um, it's funny. Hang on, it's funny that you're trying to be politically correct about how to do your burning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the irony. Uh, yeah. Um, 
I feel like if I look at my life and I look at the version of the girl that didn't go, I mourn her because she has no idea how much love is actually in the world and within her. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like it's the type of place where, you know, I I mentioned collective consciousness earlier, Mm -hmm. you know, it's hard. Collective consciousness is, is, is difficult with 7 billion people, but imagine 70,000 of them and feeling what that could actually be like if we all believed. um, And love is such a subjective term. And and I'm a firm believer that words are tiny prisons and hard to avoid people projecting onto them, whatever they may, but, but there's, there's, there's love. There's, there's, these, these, these principles of radical inclusion and radical self-reliance and, and, and um, you know, non-judgment and non-attachment. And then you pair that with these like wicked dust storms and, um, you know, so, some psychedelics, sure, but more so just like a buffet of any kind of life you could ever want to try mm-hmm. there for you to ask yourself, is this me? It's right. like a whole place just made out of mirrors. Yeah. And there's a sense of community that I felt there that I hadn't before. Right. Um, and then you come out of that into the default world, as this one is called, and you realize how much time and energy we spend with these walls up, yeah. constantly vetting people, wondering, are you my people? Are you my people? Are you my people? When you've come from a place where everyone, just by their mere existence and being there, are your people. Yeah. And then you, but you carry a part of that into the world with you and all of these snags that you have, you know, inside of you, these, these pain points, these things, these like hooks of, of stuff that has happened, these stories you tell yourself that have calcified over time, those are all kind of just burned away or washed away. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I came out of Burning Man and I, I, I was in a relationship um, and I turned on my phone after two days and I had this really long, just absolutely beautiful message from this human being like, hey, we need to let each other go. And I felt it, but it moved through me. And all I could think is all is as it should be. Yeah. And that is the greatest gift of a place like that is believing that there is no good or bad. Um, All is as it should be. You know, it's it's really special. I'm, um, you know, Burning Man is something that even probably a year ago would have felt like something like so far out of my reach. and, And now it's something that, I have some friends, like yourself included, that have been and, and just my own journey on some of these kind of same um, shifts of, of thinking and, and ways I'm looking at life. Like, I'm really hoping to go, and, and that sounds so incredibly special. <laughs> but I think on in my own version of that, I think, that, like, the cannabis industry has been that place for me in a lot of ways. Like, that sense of collective um, and, and my people, you know, like, like just, I have so many people who started as like business colleagues and acquaintances in this space who are, um, I, I expect will be lifelong friends and just the sense of kind of, we're all working towards the same thing and pulling in the same direction. Um, and that's so special. So I think I get to experience it in the cannabis sector and, and hoping mm-hmm. to experience something as, profound as you know that collective at a place like burning man at some point as well 
Well, um, yeah, and once you, once you feel it, you you identify it, right? So right. I I was I decided to use the way I dress as a beacon to find my people. So I I made a promise to myself that I would continue wearing my Burning Man clothes, it, integrate them into my wardrobe when I got out. And so I still wear these like crazy platform dust stomper boots with like these giant chrome plates on the front and I wear them casually. And it was yep. really funny because <laughs> when I was in Vancouver last, um, I was walking from one end of the city to the other to the, the lift conference um, down by the water waterfront area. And <laughs> I can find my people because there's, there's, they're either the, there's the ones that avoid eye contact with me or there's the ones that look <laughs> me in the eye and smirk at me. And for like a half a second, we have this knowing moment of like, right. Hey, I see you. And the closer I got to the cannabis conference, the more people made eye contact with me. And then as soon as I opened the doors and walked in, someone ran up to me and was like, hey, I fucking love your boots. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Getting, like, like, stronger and stronger. Right? Exactly. Like, you just just catch a vibe. And so it was just a a fun little, like – impromptu experiment I suppose but I I feel you like I I I can understand where you're coming from for sure there are definitely some crossovers and that's what I mean by you know these misfits is like we're we're all part of this this is this is home and we get to kind of redefine the way that that seeps out into the rest of the world yeah well and I think like to kind of connect this back almost to like Mm. jobs and career like in a broader mm-hmm. sense, I mean, I think the conversation around like being comfortable with the unknown, um, like I think there's a lot of people that are probably looking at the cannabis space as a place they want to move, um, you know, their skill set and their careers that might still be feeling like it's um, a bit more of an unknown area than they're comfortable with, or they don't, mm-hmm. or the unknown is that they don't quite know how to like get in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what you said before about like using your talents to get to the other side is Mm -hmm. also just like so meaningful, like in terms of almost like advice, like something that I talk with people about is like, if you want to get in this space, like what's your niche? Like, what is it that you're good at? Um, Mm -hmm. And step up and start to add value around that thing. I mean, that's essentially, um, you know, what I did and I've seen many other like examples of this is like, I started talking about, you know, cannabis in the workplace because I was an HR professional um, and started adding value to the conversation. And I think that goes a long way. Instead of just applying for jobs, like (laughs) if there's a way that you can create a voice from yourself, um, it'll get you closer. I I think you're you're completely right. And and, um, I don't even have to add much more to that. But someone said the other day to me, um, to basically take what you're good at and and add green. (laughs) I like that. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, it's like, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. You know, we're, I think we've, we've changed so much, um, you know, I'll say since the industrial revolution, but it's like so much about our lives and what we find work is that holistic approach. And that is in our wellness space for sure. But I think it's also in our, in our, in our workspace in that there is less and less of a divide between what you do for a living and who you are as a person. Yeah, I agree. And I think, and I think that's where happiness comes in and, and just mm-hmm. like 
overall feeling good about what you're doing because it starts to feel like it's an extension of yourself and that what you're doing is so much greater than than you and that you're part of it like you you don't need to be outside of your job anymore and so I think yeah like like you said like look at the things that you're good at and the things you love and the things that come naturally to you and that's not to say to avoid challenging yourself but look at those things and ask like ideally where could my talents thrive and and grow now and over time in this industry and and I think that's a fantastic starting point yeah it's interesting you know your last comment about just like becoming um one with your job like I mean I definitely felt that earlier in my career where um I could play very professional and and, I mean I'm still a professional um but I kind of had to play this whole like corporate version of Allison right and um and I've said this for many years now is like cannabis in this industry and you know my role in it is it's just truly the most authentic thing I've ever done where there isn't that divide anymore. Like the person I am is the same, like in this business, in the industry, um, in my personal life. And that's like, that's really empowering. And actually at like at Lyft in Vancouver, um, it was interesting because we, we learned an interesting lesson. We were trying to do a like kind of contest from our booth. um, And we wanted people to essentially like, I won't go into all the detail, but take a picture at the event and tag it on, like post it online and tag us and that kind of thing. And we actually had a lot of feedback from people saying like, oh, I like I would never post like that I'm at the list expo on my Instagram in case like my employer saw it. And um, that, I get that. Like, I totally understand that. But it was it, it was a bit shocking for me, but it it just made me realize like how long I've um, been in this really great, like great position mm-hmm. where I get to be like one person and not have to mm-hmm. worry about that divide. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good, that's a good realization to have, I think. And, um, you know, this, this kind of came up the other day too, um, just at the Vanderpop brunch. Um, and after, and when I was talking to April, you know, there's some people that are going to take great pride in being at, a cannabis event Mm -hmm. and then there's going to be some that just want to sit in the back and listen and maybe they don't really tell their friends or their family or anyone about it but they learn something and we have to respect both because once you know you can't unknow and Mm -hmm. that is powerful in and of itself it doesn't always need to be an outward expression right but if they're there they take that information with them wherever they go so it's yes there's the outward expression of 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 the change that we're seeing but there's people that that know the truth and they might not be talking about it right away but they still know yeah for sure so let's change gears a little bit um Mm -hmm. like share with me if you would like how, how do you use cannabis in your life like do you have a preferred kind of like consumption method or you know I guess, general kind of like application to your life for cannabis or any particular like products or brands that really resonate with you? Yeah. um, So I am a very ceremonious consumer, I would say. Um, I'm like that with most things in my life. Um, I'm very intentional. And so I've never been an everyday smoker, drinker, exerciser. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) damn it, I wish. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but 
I, I kind of go with the flow of how I'm feeling. And so, um, I would say that for me, if I am going to consume, it's usually socially. Um, I like to be around people when I, when I am smoking, I love engaging in good conversation or just being able to sit back and observe. So that's really fun for me. Um, so I do tend to do it. Um, if I'm out for dinners, um, with friends or at a, at a home, at a party, uh, other than that though, I would not be able to survive my period without CBD. Mm-hmm. And I used to chew mine all like freaking candy Right. It took to the point that I couldn't even see straight. And I would have, I got the, I got the copper IUD because I didn't want to fuck around with hormones anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would have me bedridden for at least two days where I was not a functioning human. And I was like, okay, hey, this isn't, this isn't okay. I, I can't do this. Yeah. And so um, a friend of mine introduced me to CBD and it felt like my ovaries went from these like balls of, of, yarn or whatever it is you know those, those like scrubby things you use when you're washing dishes and trying to get like grime <laughs> off of a pot like it right. felt like scouring one of those sponge yeah <laughs> yeah it, they went from those to these these like fluffy clouds and all of a sudden I could I could I mean I was me again and I've had times where I've run out and I basically like crawled to a dispensary down the road to buy some like buy a CBD tincture and putting it under my tongue within, you know, 10 minutes, I could, I could walk straight again and I could think and I could be me. And uh, I think for me, that was the most profound change because again, this just coming back to our bodies and, 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 and women and, you know, sexuality and all of those things, weed, sex and women, this is, it's a form of empowerment. Like CBD is a form of empowering you to feel communion with your body during your menstruation without the pain. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing that we get to experience this. I mean, it's unique to us and, 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 and I've always been a, a big fan of it. Like it can tell me a lot about where I'm at, mm-hmm. but the pain was too much that it was something I was trying to avoid. And now that the pain's gone, I get to enjoy this, this moon cycle. Yeah. Well, and I think what's really interesting, and I mean, I've known about the endocannabinoid system for a long time and, mm-hmm. you know, that being the um, receptors we have in our body that um, essentially phytocannabinoids from cannabis can attach to mm-hmm. and why we can essentially use cannabis as medicine. Um, but I, it's only been actually like fairly recently that I've heard that like there's a huge density of cannabinoid receptors in the female kind of like reproductive organs. Oh, so it's fascinating. Yeah. It's um, really, I mean, I know we have so much like research to do to truly understand how cannabis can help with certain conditions and, and diseases. But when I look back on my own family history, I've been thinking a lot about this lately. Like I had so many wonderful women in my life that were such a source of love like my my mother and my grandmothers and um some of my aunts and we may all uh, I know they all experienced a lot of love and joy in their lives because I felt it but they also mm-hmm. suffered or are suffering like whether that's you know female um organ related cancer or like diabetes and 
um, I, I think we have early stage information suggesting that cannabis might, might not be a cure for these things, but can definitely help. And so I'm mm -hmm. just so excited about the continued like dialogue and research to like not let these like important like people in my life and in other people's lives like have to go through potentially like this, this suffering that there could be some relief from that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that these things are finally being taken seriously. And I think that's, you know, one of the the battle cries, if you will, that I'm hearing, which is that because because the cannabis plant is so intrinsic with with our systems, it's unavoidable that we look into health and women's health in particular mm -hmm. uh, to be able to understand it. Like I just think that it's long overdue, but at least it's happening. Yeah, agreed. So we'll maybe kind of like move towards wrapping up, but I, I guess like any any comments, like somebody who might be going through their own process of like, you know, kind of realizing that they're maybe just like on coast in, in their life and, and going through their own awakening, but maybe looking at cannabis either as a opportunity to shift their career or, or even I guess around maybe experimenting with consumption, but like, what's your advice to somebody who's on that trajectory based on your experience kind of connecting with this plant and this industry? Oh man, I would say that the really cool thing about this space is how passionate everyone is about what they're doing in it, whether it's HR or it's like from an editorial standpoint, or you're a grower or you're an investor, like whatever it is, people are so excited to talk about it that the chances of, of you reaching out to someone asking for advice and getting a response is so high. Yeah. I mean, know specifically what it is that you, that you're asking for. And I mean, everyone is obviously really busy, not using busy as a badge of honor, but just like truly hustling right now. Yeah. And yeah. so just like, like be cognizant of time, but if you're, if you're curious about it in any way, it's, it's kind of the same thing I say to people when there's, when they tell me they're curious about Burning Man. If you feel the pull, follow that. Right. And so that would be my advice. Like, if you feel the pull, follow the pull. Like, I truly believe that instinctually we know exactly what it is that we're supposed to do and why we're here. And so be on your right path and listen to that voice or listen to that feeling and just, and just go for it and have a moment of courage because every moment of courage in my life has always been rewarded by a moment of clarity and so have the courage to pick up the phone or send that email or go to an event uh, and expose yourself to different things because if you want different results for your life you have to do things differently than you've done before mm -hmm. so true so true Nicole where can we find you <laughs> online like I know you're multiple places so where where's the best places to connect with you well, I think, like you said, Instagram is a place where where I, I you know, uh, I'm as open as, as I possibly can be. Um, so, at Nicole Double L, I have two L's in my name. People think my last name's Dubell. It's not. It's <laughs> Nicole Double L. Um, <laughs> although it sounds so French and romantic, so I just don't correct people. Um, 
and then girlswhosayfuck.com, I would say. Um, and then I'm the editor of Herb, which is Herb.co. Amazing. It's funny in this industry, like, I think it's because it's a, a fairly young industry and new. Like, everybody's on Twitter. People are on Instagram. Um, and there's and it's, like, truly, like, a, a national and an even international space. So there's lots of people that I built a relationship first online. Mm-hmm. And there's people who is, like, when I think of their name, I immediately think of their handle before I even think of their actual name. Like, you know, do you know Melissa Rolston? I do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she's like on Instagram. She's like Mel, Mel Rolling, Rolling Stone. Stone. So when I think of her, I automatically think like Mel Rolling Stone, like before I can even like pronounce her actual like first and last name, which is hilarious. I have so many examples like that. So right. not the world we live in. Yeah, um, <laughs> we, we we meet and then we actually meet. Like it's so fun. Right. You just like you can walk up to people and you're like, by any chance are you? And they're like, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Well, thank you so oh. much for your time, Nicole. I appreciate oh, it. Thank Sounds you. Sounds like you have some fun international travel coming up, so enjoy that. <laughs> and thank you so uh, much. we'll see you out on the mean street. Okay. Sounds good. See you on the other side. Okay. Bye. Bye. for joining us. Before you go, I wanted to remind you that if you're interested in a career in cannabis, you can register with us by submitting your resume at cannabisatwork.com. Also, don't forget to get tickets to the industry's biggest career event, the Cannabis Career Festival, happening on September 27th in Toronto, Ontario. Tickets and information can be found at cannabiscareerfestival.com and you can use the promo code PODCAST for 15% off tickets. If you like what you heard in the podcast today, please leave us a review and a rating. Thanks, and we hope to see you out and about in the cannabis industry.